Our first reading for today is from the 16th and 17th chapters of 1 Kings. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal and the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Heel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation at the cost of Abiram, his firstborn, and set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segu, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. Now Elisha, the Tishbite of Tishba and Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Arise, to go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. She went and did as Elijah said, and she, he, and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, 
What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the ninth chapter of Second Corinthians. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated, to say nothing of you, for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, as it is written. He is distributed freely, is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation of the Ten Commandments. What is the fifth commandment? You shall not murder. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him 
in every physical need. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When we think of this commandment, you shall not murder, normally we just think of killing someone, shooting someone, and that certainly is murder. Jesus spoke about it more in kind of a broader way. He even said that anyone who hates someone else in his heart, he's murdered them, not outwardly, but inwardly. And and that in God's eyes, that's just as bad as pointing a gun to someone's head and pulling the trigger. Luther adds also to what our Lord said and says that we shouldn't hurt or harm our neighbor and his body. But then that positive part help and support him in every physical need that they might have. Not doing so would be murderous in Luther's eye. This is the fifth commandment. This is how it can be broken. And believe it or not, the first way that this commandment can be broken is not amongst ourselves. It's God. That we can be murderous toward God, that we could kill God. I know it's a really odd thing to say, that we could kill God. None of us can kill God, let me just say that, okay? However, there are plenty of people in this world who hate God, right? All unbelievers in some way, shape, or form have some problem with God or know nothing of God. There's lots of reasons people are unbelievers. But sometimes those who used to be believers and ceased being believers murder God every single day of their lives that they live on this earth. I've seen it. I've heard it. I've read it online. It's ugly. It's sad. And it's hardly the first time it's ever happened. Tonight, or this afternoon, this morning, at least I said tonight, I think we're closer to evening than we are morning. <laughs> Actually, we're like at the halfway mark. Could go either way. This afternoon, we heard a reading from 1 Kings chapter 16, 17 with King Ahab. Evil King Ahab. He had just a reputation in the minds of the Jews. And this man evil King Ahab, went and the scriptures say, married uh, Jezebel. You don't even know, have to know much about the Bible to know a little bit about Jezebel, but just by the name, right? And then worshipped her god, her false god, Baal or Baal, tomato, tomato. And that King Ahab erected an altar for Baal in his house of worship, the house of Baal in Samaria, and worshiped there. Got even worse when they were when it speaks about uh, of Bethel of Jericho being built. He laid its foundation at the cost of Abiram, his firstborn. And set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub. Why? Why give up firstborn? Why did lay the foundations of a city cost a son? Why putting up gates did it cost another kid? 
Well, that's because they often did practice child sacrifice, too. Murder. In any way you want to put it, murder for a false god. That's King Ahab. So see, really, when you speak about this this fifth commandment, the first way to think of it with murder is with God. The second, I would say, is, of course, with man, with us. And in in this passage also, this very same passage, we see the effects of the fall and the sin. And we see that Elijah had to prophesy a three-year break in any rain or even dew. dew. No dew. I mean, rain is one thing, right? There was going to be no rain today. There was dew on the ground in the morning at least. No, not even dew. For three years. That's dry. And that killed people. Why? Some people would blame God. God did it. God killed those, those, all those people for three years. No. The sin of man did it. God just allowed to happen what man wanted when man follows man's sins, right? What did God say in the Garden of Eden? The day you eat of it, you will surely die. He warned them. And what did they do? They ate. They knew what they were doing. And they did it regardless. And that even then led to the widow's son dying. Dying. A lot of cruelty in these readings today. However, our God is not cruel. And our God does the exact opposite of murder. He gives life. And he gives life to people who don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. I've said this time and time again, after the Garden of Eden, God should have just stopped and said, well, that didn't work as out well the way I wanted. Let's just stop this. I'm just going to burn up the earth and I'm just not going to make a created world again. He should have just stopped. But he didn't. Did it. He allowed us to keep going so that one day when the time was ripe, he would send his son, Jesus, his own son, himself in the flesh into this world. To what? Enjoy it? To walk around? To be a king? To sit and just eat apples and fruits and cherries all day long and chocolate and grow big and fat? No. To do one thing, that, on that cross. That's why he came into this world, to die. Now, I don't think we'd ever say that God, the Father, murdered his son. He didn't. But he did allow his son to give up his life for us. For us who sometimes murder God. Us who sometimes hate God. Us who sometimes are angry at God. He did that for us. Us who sometimes do kill other people. Sometimes in the flesh with a gun. Sometimes on an operating table. Other times by a really nasty word or a very well-crafted sentence that you can just click enter and send it out and hope that those, those darts really find their way to the person you want to hurt. That's how we murder. 
more often than not. And for us, us, he sent Jesus to do that for us. The sacrifice of Christ outdoes anything that we could ever do, either in the body by murdering or the anger of our hearts. Christ's sacrifice covers it all and forgives it all to show us very tangibly how incredibly gracious God is and loving toward us. That he forgives us all of our sins, even the sin of murder, all by the sacrifice of Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.